A person too busy to take care of their health is like a mechanic that's too busy to take care of their tools. Hello and welcome to episode 507 of Under the Cult of MS. This is a Wellness Wednesday episode. I think we're going to just make this and maybe some random days here and there. Our uh, MS and health episodes, we're going to stop doing the comics and MS on Tuesdays and Thursdays and just turn those into just comics. Just going to make things easier because I ain't honestly who actually listens to both the comics and the health portion of the show. Most people reading comics don't care about health, (laughs) so... I figure it's better just to separate them. Just keep them all under the same platform, but separate it. So that way people don't have to fast forward or cut through half of a show or whatever. They can just get what they want on the day that they want. Or on the day that it's available. Uh, Other than that, we're going to try and turn... Try and get set up... So we can do Spotify videos with all our podcasts. So you'll have the audio or video options. I'm also, I recently signed up for the regular Zoom account. And if there is anybody out there from the MS world that would be interested in doing group sessions, please contact me. And I will start setting up little group group chats. We'll just shoot the shit, talk about whatever. I got a few ideas that we could put out there and stuff. And then we can just ask each other questions and talk to people that have related experiences dealing with this monster. And we can learn from each other and help each other out. I'm going to also put it out there on our MS sites and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm going to try and do some, even if I'm sitting there alone the first few times, but keep an eye out for it. I got to figure out a good platform. I'd say best way to do would be to follow both my anchor podcast that I do here, the audio and soon regular video. And then uh, my YouTube channel would be probably the two to follow because I think those two platforms are where these videos will be dumped on. I may also do some live Facebook events, see how those go, but we'll see what happens. See if we get any followers. And then... uh, I guess that's all we really got for right now at the moment. I'm still building some things, so we'll see what comes up. Uh, Let's put a little fun in with the health stuff today. We got our Farmer's Almanac. Talk about January, which is named for the Roman god Janus, protector of gates and doorways. Janus is depicted with two faces One looking into the past, the other into the future. 
And then every month they got a little puzzle, which I'll give you the question now. And I'll give you the answer towards the end of the show. The question is, soon as I'm made, I'm sought with care. For one whole year consulted, that time elapsed. I'm thrown aside, neglected, and insulted. What am I? And like I said, the answer will be later on in the show. And I'll say it one more time. Soon as I'm made, I'm sought with care. For one whole year consulted. That time elapsed. I'm thrown aside, neglected, and insulted. What am I? I have an answer for it in my mind. I don't look at the answer until I read it to you, so I will give you my answer later. But let's see. Some New Year's traditions. In ancient Thailand, guns were fired to frighten off demons. In China, firecrackers routed the forces of darkness. In the early American colonies, the sounds of pistol shots rang through the air. Of course, us gun-hungry jackasses. Uh, today, Italians let their church bells peal. The Swiss, the Swiss beat drums, and North Americans sound sirens and party horns to bid the old year farewell. Uh, if you watch any of the fireworks shows on New Year's Eve, the best one this year, in my opinion, was the Texas one. They did, uh, well, Australia is always awesome, but uh, the Texas one with the drones, that was just, they had a nice little fireworks display around the ball, which I was surprised it didn't drop. It just lit up, and then they did the fireworks. Uh, I figured for sure they'd have a little ball drop going on, too, but uh they sat there and they brought drones into their show and it was so well done. All the different, like the lady blowing the Rose of Texas, blowing a kiss to the Rose of Texas and stuff like that. They just did a wonderful job with the whole drone show. And I'm <clears throat> looking forward to seeing more of that in the future because that's safer for the animals. Poor critters that around these things just have no idea what's going on they're freaking out from the explosions <clears throat> and then of course the little jackass kids that torture critters this time that time of year and stuff halloween and everything but yeah that was one of the best shows i've seen this year but, all right let's see eat something special many new year's traditions concern food here are a few in the southern United States, black-eyed peas and pork foretell good fortune. Eating any ring-shaped treat, such as a donut, symbolizes coming full circle and leads to good fortune. In Dutch homes, fritters, called Ollieballen, are served. The Irish enjoy pastries called bannocks. In India and Pakistan, rice promises prosperity. Apples dipped in honey are a Rosh Hashanah tradition. 
In Swiss homes, dollops of whipped cream symbolize the rich, richness of the year to come. I know every year my dad was obsessed with the thing where you eat, everybody has to eat some herring, which I couldn't stomach. And that's supposed to bring you good fortune in the year to come. But, oh, also in the Swiss homes, the dollops of whipped cream, whipped cream are dropped on the floors and allowed to remain there. <laughs> Since they symbolize the richness of the year to come. <laughs> I don't think I just leave dollops of whipped cream around. It's like, I'm surprised their dogs don't run around and lick them up. All right, drink a beverage. Although the pop of a champagne cork signals the arrival of the new year, Around the world, some countries have their own traditions. Wassail, the Gaelic term for good health, is served in some parts of England. Spiced hot pint is the Scottish version of wassail. Traditionally, the Scots drank to each other's prosperity and also offered this warm drink to neighbors along with a small gift. In Holland, toasts are made with hot spiced wine. Mm. <laughs> Give a gift. New Year's Day was once the time to swap presents. We just got over Christmas and we got to buy more presents? Jeez. Gifts of gilded nuts or coins marked the start of the new year in Rome. Eggs, the symbol of fertil fertility, were exchanged by the Persians. There was always a thing every year or two where we tried to balance an egg because supposedly at the certain part of the equinox or certain time of the day, you could stand an egg perfectly. I don't think it ever worked for us. But. Early Egyptians traded earthenware flasks. And in Scotland, coal, shortbread, and silverware were traditionally exchanged for good luck. <laughs> Just some fun farmer's almanac January things to go with our health and MS portion of the show. Got to give something that's a little bit enjoyable along with the misery. But if you've been following me at all, you know that I was on uh, God dang it, what was the patch I was on? I was on it for a couple of years and I can't even remember it now. Starts with a B. I got Botox stuck in my head. But uh, I'll think about it. Think of it eventually, probably. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, I was on the patch that I stuck in my mouth twice a day. Started out with, I think, a 75 MCG or milligram patch. You went to the 150 and whatever they are, 300, 450, I don't know what the numbers all were, but I ended up at the maximum 900. And, uh, it, I found out when I went off it that I feel exactly the same off as I did on it. That's why every time she, my doctor asked, I'd tell her that, yeah, it's, we might as well up it again because I feel no difference and 
I was on this thing for two years, which has liver damage and the effects and all that. It's kind of an opioid, kind of a, well, it's a controlled substance style medication. And uh, so I wanted to get the hell off it because it would stick to my dentures and I had so many problems keeping it on my cheek. Struggling with it for two years, twice a day, well, over two years, I think I was on it. But, uh, so I finally got fed up to the point where I said, I want to definitely just get off this patch. I want something else or nothing altogether. I just can't take dealing with it anymore. And I looked into some things and had some things written out plan that I wanted to talk to pain management guy about because they sent me to pain management, which nowadays that's what they do because they stupidly just handed out opioids like they're candy. And because of the punishment and all the problems and all the deaths, now they send everybody through pain management. So you got to wait up to a year to get an appointment because everybody's got pain and everybody's trying to get something. I finally got into my appointment, seen my pain management doctor, and he's like, you definitely do not belong here. Your doctor should prescribe whatever you need because you are in secondary progressive MS. You can see it visually. He read over my charts and all that and looked over everything, and he's like, we can put you on whatever you want, but if they won't take care of you like they should, then just give me a call and we can do like a video appointment and set you up with whatever you need. So he talked me into trying out the Butrans, buprenorphine transdermal system patch. And it's kind of strange. Uh, it's a strong prescription pain medic medicine that contains an opioid narcotic that is used to manage pain severe enough to require daily around-the-clock long-term treatment with an opioid. When other pain treatments, such as non-opioid pain medicines or immediate-release opioid medicines, do not treat your pain well enough or you cannot tolerate them. A long-acting extended-release opioid pain medicine that can put you at risk for overdose and death. Even if you take your dose correctly as prescribed, you are at risk for opioid addiction, abuse, and misuse that can lead to death. Not for use to treat pain that is not around the clock. Uh, yeah, it's like, I went on and on there researching this and learning about it and finding out how how dangerous it is <laughs> and uh you're supposed to call 911 right away if you take too much butrans if you overdose when you first start taking it when your dose is changed or if you take too much an overdose, serious or life-threatening breathing problems that can lead to death may occur. 
Talk to your healthcare provider about naloxone, a medicine for the emergency treatment of an opioid overdose. Taking Butrans with other opioid medicines, benzodiazepines, and alcohol or other central nervous system depressants, including street drugs, can cause severe drowsiness, decreased awareness, breathing problems, coma, and death. Never give anyone else your Butrans. Well, yeah, you shouldn't give anybody else any of your medications. Don't use if you have severe asthma, trouble breathing, other lung problems, a bowel blockage, or have narrowing of the stomach or intestines. Before applying, tell your healthcare provider if you have history of head injuries, seizures, problems urinating, heart rhythm problems, long QT syndrome, abuse of street or prescription drugs, alcohol addiction, opioid overdose or mental health problems, liver, kidney, or thyroid problems, pancreas or gallbladder problems. Tell your health care provider if you have a fever, are pregnant or planning to become pregnant, are breastfeeding, are taking prescription or over-the-counter medicines, And you always got to talk about all your medications so you know that you're not conflicting something. Uh, Possible side effects are constipation, nausea, sleepiness, vomiting, tiredness, headache, dizziness, itching, redness, or rash. Where the patch is applied, call your healthcare provider if you have any of these symptoms and they are severe. Call Call emergency, 911, get medical help if you have trouble breathing, shortness of breath, fast heartbeat, chest pain, swelling of your face, tongue or throat, extreme drowsiness, lightheadedness when changing positions, feeling faint, agitation, high blood temperature or high body temperature, trouble walking, stiff muscles or mental changes such as confusion, blah, 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 blah. Just all the wonderful side effects of taking these medications. But you cut the patch. You take it out of its container. You put it on. You're not supposed to rub it on to make sure that it's sealed good. Or anything like that. You're not supposed to apply more than one patch at a time. The areas where you put it is chest, upper body. Areas that are going to get pressurized. Because if you sleep on your sides or anything like that, it's going to pressurize those areas and cause problems. So, when I took it, first day I was doing all right with it for most of the day. Then I started noticing my heart rate was changing. Slowing, speeding up, all over the place. And I started having some breathing issues. Then I went to bed that night. And it was on my right chest chest that I had the patch. And I lay on my right side. And I had trouble sleeping all night because of my pulse and 
my breathing and I'm like, oh shit, I'm not, I got to the point where my pulse slowed to nothingness and then all of a sudden what seemed like forever, all of a sudden you'd get the thump and it would kick back in. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to probably die in my sleep because I was really tired and I was starting to doze and this was going on and um, it seemed like it was getting longer each time. So I was worried about that. I, I made it through the night. Yeah, woke up with all kinds of breathing and pulse issues and then throughout the day the next day it just kept increasing my breathing issues got worse my pulse issues got worse i actually went from slowing thumping pulse to erratic pulse and all of a sudden that afternoon evening i'm like no i'm done with this shit and i ripped Ripped the patch off, folded it up, threw it away, uh, disposed of it correctly. And I was like, yeah, I'm off this shit. This makes no sense. Why would, when he explained it to me, I expected, like, they have these diabetic patches that stick out from the skin that have, like, a hard container on them and I expected that's what I was getting because he's like, it's going to release the pain medication into your body about every hour. And it's like, well, how can it regulate it? It's just a patch. So the whole patch can release itself whenever. So you never know how much you're getting. If you accidentally rub against it or anything, you're getting extra dosage and can cause all kinds of other issues. And I can completely see how you could go into a coma or die from this shit overnight. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to take a patch that I'm going to put on once a week. And it's supposed to release every hour into my system. And it seems like it's releasing way more than it's supposed to at times. And which means that you'll be draining it. So towards the end of the week, the last two, three days of the week. You're probably not going to have hardly any medication left in the patch. So if they would have gave me something that actually released every hour, you would think it would be something like those diabetic patches that stick out from the skin and could have some type of regulation system in them to actually go off every hour or whatever. Uh, personally, I think they should have something like that where you can dial it in and set it to do like every three hours to start to see how your body gets used to it and then work it up to every hour and work up the dosage or anything like that. And thankfully, he did start me on a higher dose. But uh, thankfully he didn't put me on the maximum because he's like, well, we'll work our way up to that. We'll see how this goes. And then we can increase as we need to. But yeah, what he had me on definitely made me feel like I was not going to make it through the week if I would have stayed on that patch. 
So I went off my cheek patch to go on this patch. So in order to keep my body regulated, I went back to the cheek patch, which I still can't think of it. Belbuca. That's it. Uh, so I went back to the Belbuca and I didn't have that many left and they still haven't refilled my prescription, which I requested the month prior. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to run out before because my doctor ended up having a family health emergency. She was going to be gone for a week. I talked to the nurse. She said the order was put in, but it was put in, but they didn't sign the whatever request forms that have to be signed. So they wouldn't give me the medication. So I knew I didn't have enough to make it till she got back, back in the office. So I'm like, well, I'll take a patch every other day. And then I went to a patch every three days. And just kind of some, I do two patches a day. One day, then I'd skip a day or then I'd do one patch. And then I I just, I basically cut it back a little bit just because I knew I wasn't going to have enough to make it through till my next refill. Well, I wasn't really noticing anything, and I looked up side effects of going off the Belbuca, and I heard horror stories that were worse than going off opioids and all this shit. So I went off cold turkey. I'm like, screw it. I quit cigarettes cold turkey. I can quit a freaking pain patch cold turkey. Well... I had absolutely zero side effects. I feel exactly the same today as I did a month ago when I was on the medications. So obviously the medications weren't doing shit for me. And I was just taking them and destroying my liver and whatever else for years taking the freaking medication. So that, that kind of pisses me off. It's like they can't even regulate it to the extent that, hey, is he just lying? Is he just in pain still and just wants us to give him more drugs. And No, I tell all my doctors I don't want the freaking opioids. I'd rather take other options. It's, I'd personally like to have the, I can't think of the name of that either, but it's a THC uh, pen that is available in other, other countries like Canada for people with MS. It was supposed to be brought into the United States three years ago. I think I talked about it two years ago, three years ago, when it was supposed to come into the United States and be offered to everybody with multiple sclerosis, no matter whether you lived in a legal state or not. And it never came. Same with everything else that's better for our bodies, less threatening to us, and actually helps with issues that our governments won't allow us to have because they don't give a fuck. But, yeah, hopefully every one of them will go through some type of disease course to teach them what it's like. But, of course, they'll get to have whatever the hell they want because they're the 1%. We're nothing. We don't mean anything to them other than numbers and masses that they can stick in a war to 
steal re resources from other people and take over things. Uh, yeah, I don't need to get back on those rants. But yeah, that's my pain patch experience. That's what happened with that. I don't know if I really ever talked about that fully. But yeah, those things are dangerous. I don't like them. Take it into your own discretion. But yeah, no thanks. You can keep the opioids. They make you feel funny. Which sometimes is enjoyable. But they don't do shit for pain. Not for me at least. So. Alright. We're gonna end it here. And we'll get back with a second segment right after this. And I will have the answer to the puzzle of the month, which is soon as I'm made, I'm sought with care for one whole year consulted. That time elapsed, I'm thrown aside, neglected and insulted. What am I? And I will have the answer for that. Well, I suppose I could do it right after the show or after this segment when I start the next one, maybe. We'll see. All right, I'll be back. All right, let's give you the answer to the puzzle of the month. Soon as I'm made, I'm sought with care for one whole year consulted. That time elapsed, I'm thrown aside, neglected and insulted. What am I? I put down days of the month is what I was thinking, but I know that's not right. The actual answer, which makes sense, is an almanac. <laughs> it's like everybody wants to read it when it first comes out, but then they don't care. Once they've read it, they toss it aside. But like me, I'll use it and talk about it all year if I have it in my possession. All right, let's see. What can we talk about next? Uh, yeah, MS fatigue, which is an entirely different animal than fatigue that results from prolonged and strenuous activity. It is almost as if you are watching yourself from outside your body, but do not have the strength to respond to the simplest stimuli. Hence the term lassitude. This is in a totally different category than fatigue that as the general population knows it. Questions that we are asked in healthcare visits are helpful to dif differentiate this lassitude from emotional fatigue that could be associated with depression or physical fatigue from work or deconditioning. MS fatigue has nothing to do with motivation. We can be motivated to the ninth degree, but our bodies do not cooperate. This is perhaps the most difficult symptom to convey to anyone who has not experienced it. <clears throat> I hate trying to explain fatigue or pain to anybody that does not have multiple sclerosis. Everybody has that instant response. Oh, yeah, I have those days all the time. I know what that pain's like. 
I've dealt with that. No, you haven't. Seriously. I've worked my ass off in hard jobs my whole freaking life. I partied it up with the best of them. I know what regular human fatigue is like. I would take that 24-7 over MS fatigue if I could. This shit doesn't go away. This shit does not matter whether you are set on getting things done or not. Your body will shut down. Your body will fight against you. It's it's a bitch. I just I can't. There's no physical way to really explain how it is other than the standard that I like. Whereas if you live your life normally for three days, get up, go to work, do your family things, do your things, but you don't get to sleep. On that fourth day, try and live your life normally. And that's what MS fatigue is like. It is severe. It is debilitating. It sucks. But it's not like normal fatigue that we all have experienced in our past, but this one, this monster just jumps on your back and won't leave you alone. And there are th- things to work it out in the earlier stages and things you can do to help it along. But I'm in secondary progressive and it's just, it's hard fighting through <clears throat> trying to have those few tiny little normal moments of life. So how is MS fatigue managed and prevented? It probably is the most difficult symptom of the MS of MS to treat and each individual responds differently to that treatment. Medications that are stimulants may be prescribed. I've been on Ritalin. I've been on Adamantidine, I think it was called. Uh, Just a variety of different fatigue medications. And all they did was amp them up and say, they're not doing nothing. Let's double it. They're not doing nothing. I'll take four then. They're still not doing nothing. Let's go for eight. It's like, really? I don't know. Just take a bottle a day, you jackass. Why don't you find something else? that for me to try don't sit there and keep doubling tripling quadrupling my medications when i tell you it's not doing nothing it's not doing nothing i understand my body more than you listen to me (laughs) it's why you have to build your team around you and the ones that aren't understanding that what you say matters and what they say doesn't that well it does matter but they should not sit there and say when you say something that I think I need this, that they sit there and say, nah, I think you need this. No, you're wrong. (laughs) I research the shit out of this stuff (laughs) before I come to my doctor's appointments. So I know which things I want to ask for and what I think I should have. And I consult other MS doctors 
and stuff like that beforehand, and they still pull that shit. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go to a new doctor because you're obviously not going to listen to me and help me with my treatment. And I'm just going to keep suffering along as I've been and nothing's going to change. And I'm going to get older. My body's going to deteriorate more. So I'm going to have more problems. And this is just going to get added to that. And without us fixing anything and just adding more medications that cause other side effects, that doesn't do us any good. So everybody's different with MS. It's a snowflake disease. (coughs) I take a drink of water. Sorry. You should too. It's good for your body. I'm a caretaker (coughs) for a stubborn elderly person. Does not like to drink water. Thinks that tea has water in it. And that's good enough. But they don't understand that tea dehydrates your body like coffee. It's a diuretic. So every cup of tea, you should have two cups, three cups of water to replenish your body for what it's lost. Same with coffee. But stubbornly, they don't take it. And then they have problems, fall down, pass out, diarrhea, hemorrhoid issues, all that stuff. And it's like, all I ask. Three big glasses of water a day for three days. All of a sudden, they feel great. They feel way better. And then by the fourth day, they're, well, usually by the second or third day, they're back to just tea, not drinking the damn water. And then a few days later, they have more problems, and and they complain to you about it. And it's like, all I ask, water. It's not that hard. Your body craves it. Because it's made up of it. It's like, without it, you're dead. <clears throat> so you'll take handful after handful of pills that are miracle drugs in your mind, but you won't take a few sips of water. <laughs> That's the problem with people. They're stubborn. I got a brother-in-law that loves his creamy coffees and drinks them all day long. Doesn't like water. So you your family may have a long lifeline, but it's not going to matter if you don't take care of yourself a little bit. Simple things in life we can do to keep ourselves healthier and happier. Uh, many medications that are stimulants may be prescribed. Medications that prevent narcolepsy, which may be linked to certain sleep disorders, can help. I've been on some of those, I know. These medications are not meant to be used every day and may lose their effectiveness if that practice is followed. Well, I was put on them every day, so that doesn't help. They are generally most effective when taken only on the days where extra energy or mental alertness are most needed. For that reason, individuals who take them to facilitate the best outcomes in their work week should try to take a vacation from them on their days off or less taxing work days. So I wish I would have been told that. Maybe they would have helped a little bit more on certain days, but yeah, they didn't do shit for me otherwise. And the doctors always just wanted to double them, triple them. Uh, lifestyle changes such as healthy eating, smoking cessation, and 
Regular exercise can be helpful in preventing the worst of MS, fatigue. Uh, Being aware of your posture and staying erect helps you to breathe more fully and stave off the worst of the fatigue. For many, learning to practice energy conversation techniques is helpful. Keeping cool and well hydrated on hot days can minimize the effects of fatigue. Beware of stressors and managing them also helps. Substance use such as alcohol or cannabis can worsen MS fatigue. I disagree with that. I mean, these are all all things that people are just saying. Alcohol, yeah, I can agree with to an extent of overuse. But if you're just once a week or something like that, and you're just doing it on the light side, not getting plowed, uh, you will hit the, I've hit those areas where less pain in the body meant more mobility, more stuff. And then, yeah, I overdo it a little bit and then I feel it more the next day. But same with cannabis, THC, people think that it's going to make you tired and give you the munchies and all that. But that's not true. I mean, it's it depends on what form you're taking and how you're taking it. So don't just classify everything just in the same category just because you've heard things or feel things towards it. That's the problem with our healthcare society because there's a lot of things that could help people with zero side effects, zero deaths, but they're so happy to give us these patches and these drugs that'll kill us. It's like, really? You're set on that, huh? You're not going to take into consideration that this other option that has no side effects, no deaths, that option's just out the window, huh? And that option actually helps people and relieves certain pains and issues. I just don't understand that. We're also in a society that sends our children, that lets people that we don't know send our children off to war to die for them. (laughs) So (laughs) you explain that all to me, and that might explain our healthcare system. All right, let's see. Most Canadians with MS using cannabinoids for symptom management. Researchers at the University of Alberta in Canada sought to contribute to correctly limited, currently limited evidence on cannabis use by people with MS using previous researchers. In Denmark, an anonymous questionnaire was distributed to prospective participants. 344 individuals submitted a completed questionnaire with the majority of them being female. And the overall mean age of being 44.9 years. Relapsed and remitting MS, 79.3%. Secondary progressive MS, 10.5%. Primary progressive MS, 
or did not know at 10.2% of the participants were reported. Respondents, 64.5% reported having used medical cannabis at least once, and 52.3% reported still continually currently using it. Findings showed that respondents with more severe or progressive forms of MS were more likely to have tried medical cannabis. Medical cannabis was used most by current and former users to treat sleep problems, pain, and spasticity. The most reported adverse effects from using it were drowsiness, feeling quiet or subdued, and difficulty concentrating. This research was published in the Journal of Medical and Related Disorders. And the doctor responding to this says, Use of cannabis to manage MS symptoms always seems to be a topic of interest. This Canadian study looked at how many people with MS are using cannabis and what symptoms they are using it for. As they learn more about the use of cannabinoids, one of the chemical classes, along with terpenes in cannabis, terpenes are awesome. That When I had that one little tiny bottle of terpene oil, I could not have anything better, but that was specially made for me from someone in California, and I have no idea how to get it made again. <laughs> uh, but they may they have may have therapeutic effects. It is vital that we start thinking of them as medications. This means we need to look at risks and benefits, quality control, and dosing of cannabis. In his experience, many people with MS that he's worked with are using cannabinoids, but really cannot tell him how many milligrams of CBD or THC they are getting. This survey shows that the majority of Canadians with MS who participated have used or are still using cannabinoids to manage a range of MS symptoms. Uh, they point out the majority are getting their cannabis from a legal source because they're in a country that has a brain. <laughs> This is more challenging in the U.S. where a patchwork of various state laws exist because we're in the United States of America and we all have to have separate laws and regulations by state, by county. It's like we are not united in any way, shape, or form. We have political parties that are separated by state. We got drug interactions separated by state. Everything from childbirth to death and it's just, everything's just regulated separately. We are not united in any way, shape, or form in this country. Don't let the name fool you. Uh, another interesting finding from this survey was that healthcare providers need to do a better job of serving as an educational resource regarding cannabis for the MS community. Hallelujah. It's up. Well, it's not about time because it's still not happening, but it's like doctors are finally waking up to it. And every doctor I have in my group understands what it does to an extent and how it's helped me and others. And I mean, come on. It's not like I, I, I can go weeks without and use it whenever 
but it's not highly addictive. It's not, there's zero cause of death other than things that also included other forms of uh, drugs in, in the people's systems. Uh, but yeah, other than paranoia, <laughs> there hasn't been any real issues with it in its history, which dates way back to the Egyptians and beyond. Uh, people are set on a ketogenic diet being beneficial to MS. I'm not going to get into that because I disagree with that. Even what's his name that started the whole keto thing, meat eating only type diet. He died at a, in his sixties, didn't he? Uh, I don't, I still say build your diet from, with what your body tells you. I mean, try certain things from all forms of diets and if they agree with your body, put them on your recipe list, keep them, use them, go on to the next item, try that, see if it works, add it or get rid of it, and just work your way through a variety of different recipes and diet styles and see what your body enjoys and focus more on anti-inflammatory than anything else, in my opinion. Because the inflammation just sets off more of our issues. So. Botulinum toxins may help manage bl bladder problems. Yeah, um, we have a lot of bladder medications out there now and stuff. But bladder symptoms are frustratingly common in MS. They can be embarrassing and lead to changes in quality of life and activities of daily living. Please be sure to discuss any bladder symptoms with your healthcare team. Treatment options are available. With MS, the bladder can act up in a few ways. Some people have a small overactive bladder, which can lead to urinary urgency, frequency, and incontinence. Some people deal with a large underactive bladder with urinary retention, which can lead to some spasms causing urgency and frequency, UTIs, and even kidney damage can result from the retention. So, yeah, I'm, up until like eight years ago, I didn't have to worry about UTI shit, but now I do. Uh, some people experience bladder dis dysenergia. This is when the bladder muscle is squeezing, but the valve sphincter to let urine out is not opening. Which, yeah, I'll stand at that freaking toilet for five, ten minutes sometimes, and it's just like I had a pee really bad just a second ago, and then I come in the bathroom, I'm just standing there. Uh, the small overactive bladder can be managed with various medications when those drugs are not effective or cause unacceptable side effects. Botulinum toxin injections into the bladder muscle may be an option. They can be injected into the bladder muscle by a urologist to help calm an overactive bladder. So that is an option to try out. Talk with your healthcare providers and see. 
Mesentinib shows promise for treating progressive MS. Research has made great advances in MS therapeutics. Uh, let's see. Progressive forms of MS tend to be more degenerative than inflammatory. This may be why our therapies that target inflammation are not as effective in progressive forms of MS. That may explain why they aren't working for me. Mesentinib may provide an answer. The drug is also being studied in ALS, a purely neurodegenerative condition. This study in primary and secondary progressive MS did show slowing of progression or disabilities. So I'm going to have to keep an eye on that and see what it has. The COVID infection not linked to increased MS risk, which, yeah, I know we... We learned about that. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stop the MS stuff there. We'll finish up our little January Farmer's Almanac stuff. Some natural remedies for getting rid of a cold. Things you can do to help your bodies through the process of healing a cold. Some natural remedies are rosehip tea is full of vitamin C and can help prevent colds. Lemons, oranges, and apple cider are all considered to be cold remedies. For chills, take fresh ginger root. Historically, the layers of the onion were believed to draw contagious diseases from the patient. Onions were often hung in sick rooms. Today, we know that onions have antibacterial qualities. It's like if you're sick in a hospital and you cut an onion in half and just leave it on a plate next to the bed, you'll see a huge change in that onion throughout the day and night. Uh, it's very interesting. And if you have a bee sting, just cut a slice of onion and lay it on top of it and it'll pull the stinger out for you. Just leave it sit there for a while and it'll work its way out. And that's what I do whenever I get attacked by the bees, especially in early spring when you're mowing the lawn and you hit one of those ground nests. Uh, just uh, boil a whole onion and afterward drink the water. You can add a little butter and salt if the taste is unbearable. Cut up fresh garlic cloves and add them to chicken soup or other foods or swallow small chunks of raw garlic like pills, like onion and garlic, horseradish generates lots of heat to help offset colds. According to one farmer we know, a daily horseradish sandwich is the best cold remedy out there. Eat loads of hot and spicy foods like chili to clear the sinuses. Prunes are rich in fiber, vitamins A and B, iron, calcium, and phosphorus, and they've been cured and they've been cured themselves to treat sore lips go to bed with honey on them uh, troubled by cracked lips massage them with a dab of earwax preferably your own that's just disgusting <laughs> farmers i tell you <laughs> then some home remedies for dry skin the low humidity and Harsh conditions can do a number on your skin in wintertime, leaving it flaky, itchy, and dry as an old bone. 
if you don't want to look like a dessert tortoise, desert tortoise, take a few precautionary measures. Like as soon as you get out of the shower or tub while your skin is still damp, slather on the moisturizing lotion. Choose a lotion brand that has petroleum jelly or lanolin high on the ingredients list. Don't go outside in any season without using SPF of at least 30 on your face and hands. And try adding lemon juice or vinegar to your bath water, soap. Being highly alkaline, it may make your skin feel itchy. To soften dry skin, add one cup powdered milk to your bath. It works worked for Cleopatra. And avoid steaming hot water or lengthy immersions, which will strip your skin of its natural oils. So that was for this month's Farmer's Almanac. And, uh, yeah, that should end everything. It's, that was a decent show, I think. Some fun information, hopefully something that you can find that will help you out. And I will get back with more. And like I said, we're gonna make it separate now. The comics and the MS will all be separate. So just keep an eye out for the health segments. Well, this Wednesday we'll probably keep going because it's a nice little middle of the week day to get things out, get me caught up on some of my files. Other than that, be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick the shit out of the monster. Keep following us in every form of Under the Color of MS, whether it be audio or YouTube or who knows what. We'll come up with in the future. I wasn't going to Twitter, but I might do Mastodon. We'll see. It's a newer platform that may or may not be competition against twitter we'll see what happens but twitter and tiktok right now are so iffy i ain't gonna play with those at the moment so take care and we'll talk to you again soon bye